This episode of Generation Red is brought to you by GFC Express LLC. They are your local leader in Lincoln for RV transportation. As an independent contractor for a transport company in Indiana, GFC Express specializes in towing recreational vehicles from manufacturers in Goshen area to dealerships all across the country. GFC Express, where their favorite things in life are God, family, and Cornhusker football. And yes, I own GFC Express LLC. <laughs> so in a very real sense, this show has been sponsored by my business the whole time. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. But that was fun to read anyway, because damn it, we need sponsors. Please, somebody wants us to do an ad read. We'll do it for t-shirts. You hear me? You hear t-shirts. me? For t-shirts <laughs> that's right we got new merch it's pretty awesome it's pretty awesome thanks to uh shane tilson from smack and smooch uh custom designs i think it's what it's called you can find them on twitter they do a great job uh these shirts are awesome um this is episode 58 of generation red the kettle corn of husker fan podcast where we try to be sweet but it's sometimes we get salty i'm your host ken and i am your host scott that's right. And today we are going to recap yesterday's Illinois. Damn it. I wish I could say win because I have a little bit of energy right now, but it wasn't. It was a loss. And we will give you our overall impressions of the game as a whole and, you know, review the stats, give you our game breaker and game wrecker of the week. If you can really categorize them at, as such, we're going to rate the offense, defense and special teams on a scale of one to 10 and then finish up with some fun facts. So. Uh, Scott, your camera looks a little different. So, uh, why does it look different? I, I think it's better, better than mine yeah. for God's sakes. And I think I spent almost as much as my on mine as you did on yours. <laughs> um, yeah, new camera. Um, not really. I mean, it is a new camera, but it's on my phone. It's my new iPhone that I got. I got the most recent generation of iPhone. Um, nice. And it's got just every year they just keep coming out with really, really good camera technology. Um, and I mean, I had the iPhone 11 pro and it had a really good camera, but I just didn't want to mess with it. Um, and for whatever reason or another today, I just was like, I'll, I'll mess with it. Um, so I reorganized my whole desk and put everything together the best that I could. And now I've got a good looking crispy camera. Um, yeah, we'll see if it disconnects. I would not be surprised if it does because the software that I'm using, IV Cam, is um, inconsistent sometimes. Um, but we'll see. We'll see just for funsies today. Um, but yeah. that's Well, you know, I've been using a new camera for a while now. And for some reason, that same new camera just does not like to focus on my face. Granted, I don't blame the camera. Who the hell wants to focus on this? Um, but you know, it's so good to see, I can see both the lights now that I knew were in the background in your shot and it just looks really cool. The two red lights. So, mm -hmm. um, well, shit, now that the pleasantries are over, <sighs> let's go back on how joyous it was to watch that game yesterday, which it really wasn't. So overall game impressions go, just throw it out there, unload system dump, 
whatever you got to do. Well, there was a little bit there at the beginning. Basically, as I'm sure Husker Nation would unanimously agree, there was something we had going for us up until Casey Thompson got injured. Um, it seemed like our defense was doing okay. You know, there were some some moments where, you know, they made mistakes or they weren't where they were supposed to be, but that's expected with this uh, defense and its uh, inconsistencies throughout the season. Um, but then, yeah, Casey Thompson goes down, floodgates open, and we aren't able to do anything. Chubba Purdy was extremely underwhelming. Um, I was not expecting him to be as bad as he was. Um, just not putting enough oomph behind the ball, putting too much behind the ball, overthrowing, underthrowing. You have a bingo card of incompetent quarterback play, um, and uh, Chubba Purdy pretty much checks off all of those um, bingo card slots. So it was it was unfortunate. Uh, Illinois has a really, really good defense. Um, we were probably, we are statistically the best offense that they've played thus far this year. And I think the game goes a different way if Casey Thompson doesn't go down. Um, but at the same time, it seemed like we were unraveling anyway before he got injured. At least that was my impression. Um, it just kind of was like, I just feel like we are about to implode and, and, and just, it just didn't look great. Um, even before, like I said, before Casey Thompson got injured, it didn't look great. It just, it just went way out of hand really quick. Um, yeah, I mean, Travis Volkolek gets that, 50 something yard touchdown reception. And I saw it all over Twitter. And it was also like my impression when I was watching that go down, it just looked like he was running in slow motion. It was so weird. Um, but I was just very disappointed. I mean, I didn't expect much. I would say that my overall real impression was I didn't expect much from this game. I didn't expect us to win the game. I, if there's anything I expected was that we were going to compete. And so my expectations were definitely not met because for pretty much three quarters, we didn't compete. Um, and Mark Whipple made some awful decisions. There were some decent ones, like some of the things that I talked about a few weeks ago, like utilizing or taking advantage. I don't even know what, what term I used, but Making our broken offensive line work in our favor in some way, shape, or form, throwing some screen passes, play actions, etc. Um, there were some signs of that, but for the most part, it was such a predictable formula. It was go for a deep ball on first down, run the ball for no gain on second down, try and pass again on third down punt. And it was the same thing every single time. Um, so yeah, Mark Whipple decided he wanted to come to Nebraska to retire, I suppose, and get one fat, one last fat paycheck from the university and peace out. And 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 in his defense, though, he has been working with an egregious offensive line that Donovan Riola has yet to even figure out. I don't know if it's individual performance. I don't know if it's 
scheme, training, practice, whatever it is, we are just an absolute abysmal offensive line. So I will at least hold, hold, I won't hold that over Mark Whipple. I will give him at least somewhat of a benefit of a doubt. There's a reason why he was so successful with Pitt. Um, and it was probably a good offensive line. But who knows? Those are just my overall impressions. It was extremely disappointing. Um, I disassociated. I'm going to be a little bit not here for this podcast. I'm not going to be as sharp. I'm not going to be as like, well-worded or anything like that because I just it was just such a disappointment watching watching this game, and I just don't want to really reflect on it very much. So I apologize. You know what? Um, I'm with you. Uh, Whipple ball doesn't work because Whipple doesn't understand, at least in my estimation from watching, like you said, and perfectly pointed out, throw long on first down, try to run on the second down. Oh shit. Now we've got to be third and eight. Oh God. I got to come up with a play or whatever. Meanwhile, your running back's averaging five yards a play every time he touches the ball. Every time he touches the ball, he averaged five, t- five yards a game, a play. And it, there was nothing creative about the running game. You know when Anthony Grant had his best success is when he decided not to go the direction that the play was going. <laughs> you know, he'd bounce it or he'd move or he'd do whatever because God only knows there was at least one defensive lineman at his feet by the time he got the ball handed off to him. So kudos to, to Anthony Grant for knocking out 60 yards on 12 carries, but Holy shit, only 12 carries when you're averaging five yards and you produced 25 carries on the day. Now I get it. There was at least what four, three or four times that the quarterback was sacked or something like that. So those are, technically counted as carries which is an utterly bull crap sorry i'm trying to censor myself at least a little bit uh stat in in football how in the hell is a quarterback dropping back to throw the ball gets sacked counted as against the rushing yards it makes zero sense it should count against the quarterback rating which in many mm-hmm. ways it does um but it should count against his passing yards as well so um but I guess because he's standing on his feet, he has the ball in his hand. It's counted as a rush. I I don't know. But anyway, um, you know, we've been told over the last 12 months or eight months or whatever since Whipple was hired that he's forgotten more about coaching football than most of the coaches in today's modern game can remember. I guess that's pretty obvious because he's forgotten how to generate at least a decent running game. His running game is unimaginative. Frost was absolutely dead right coming out of the Northwestern game when he said, you have to be creative in this league to run the football. Mm-hmm. Then again, he knew we had to be creative because he didn't have a freaking offensive line that could block a hole in anything. So, yeah, he had to get creative. He had to do some misdirection. And when you know Casey was in there and he ran the ball the two or three times that he did, he made a little bit of something out of it. So... Overall, we ran it more. It was 25 runs to 24 passes. Uh, but a lot of that running came in the second half when Nebraska was basically not going to win the game anyway, at least not on the line of scrimmage. 
So it was basically trying to chew up clock when we should have been chewing up clock when Casey was in the game. That's just my opinion. And how do we not try to target our, our tight end more in this game? He he scored on a 56-yard pass. Great. That's awesome. But it was a lucky throw. It really was. It was lucky. It just got over the guy that was covered in his hands. Travis hauled it in. The dude bounced off to off of him and into the end zone he goes, looking like just about the slowest tight end we've ever had at Nebraska. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Some some part of me tells me that Illinois was like, ah, we'll let the big white guy with the freaking mullet score a touchdown today because they ain't scoring shit for the rest of the game. And that was absolutely true. We didn't even come close to scoring a point for the rest of the game because they knew that was it. That was a lucky play. You're not going to get anywhere but, for, uh, on us after that. So huh. we should at least try to slow down the rush by at least if you're going to throw the damn football, if you're going to throw the football on first down, you've got to scheme up a five to 10 yard play. You're not chucking it down the field, hoping that you're going to get the home run because that was the thing that annoyed me about the frost offense. The frost offense was hit the big home run with those short, quick running back that can hide behind a bunch of offensive linemen before the linebackers know it. He's behind them. That was the frost offense. He loved the home run play. So guess what he hired for his offensive coordinator this year? The guy that loves to hit the home run play with the passing game. Because Mm -hmm. Frost, I think, thought, well, shit, now we can hit our 50-yard runs because we've got a quarterback and an offensive coordinator that can hit the 50-yard play. Great. Until you shut down Trey Palmer, who had one catch for one goddamn yard. One fucking yard. That's what we had for Trey Palmer. Whipple had to know that that dude was going to get blanketed all day long, and we still couldn't make anything out of it. I'm done. This game plan idea that Whipple throws out there every week, I'm done. My overall impression is we're lucky if we win another game this year. And Iowa is horrible on offense. They're worse than we are. Is that possible? I'm not sure, but they're worse than we are. So maybe we get out of Iowa City with a five to three win because we manage a fucking safety and a field goal, you know, and then we're what four and eight probably when if we're lucky. So my overall impression is Mickey, if you want this job, uh, there's three guys on your staff that can't be here next week. You can't have Whipple on your staff anymore. Surely there's a play caller somewhere on that staff that can figure out what to do with this offensive line and come up with something that gets more creative than what Whipple did on, did on Saturday. Uh, surely there's somebody that's a, a graduate assistant or whatever that can figure out how to coach the offensive line not to turn their tackles into turnstiles, which has been the story from the beginning of the game in Ireland is our tackles have been turnstiles and the same two sons of bitches keep getting the start. I don't get it. I don't get it. How horrible do we have to have for depth at offensive tackle that Corcoran and Ben Hart still get to start? It makes no sense. No sense. So, um, Whipple, Duvall, Raiola, because... <laughs> 
if you want to talk about strength and conditioning, there's another rabbit hole we could go down for about 20 or 30 minutes because I've heard some people talk about it, you know, that aren't quote unquote in the media, but people who understand strength and conditioning and saying, great, their guys are strong as shit from the waist down, but they can't punch somebody out of their way to save their life. They can't do anything from the waist up to keep the guy off of them. And that's the key in the passing game. And if you're going to move somebody back two yards in the running game, you have to be strong from the waist up. You can't just be squatting 800 pounds every day. That's not going to get the job done. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm tired of watching our O-linemen picking up D-linemen off of our quarterback at least 10 times, if not more, a game. Uh, Casey let go of a lot of balls yesterday that didn't get completed, but the offensive lineman that let the dude through that hit him was picking the guy up off of his quarterback. And I'm like, why the hell do he take these guys out to eat? <laughs> you know, maybe he needed to take them out to eat more often. Maybe they're hungry and they need to be fed more often. Otherwise they're not going to play for him. I don't know, but that was my overall impression was uh, yet again, line of scrimmage, except for our defensive line. Damn. They actually played a pretty good game. Uh, we lost this game on the line of scrimmage and we're going to continue to lose all of our games this year because of the line of scrimmage. So yeah, there needs to be a complete and total overhaul. Like obviously the Brett Belima is perfect proof that you don't need, you don't need that long to turn an entire program around. Illinois is a losing program. Yeah, were they were they decent when they had was it uh not Mel Tucker who frick I always forget uh Lovey uh, Smith. Lovey Smith. I was like he's got a he's got a fun name. Um they weren't like terrible with Lovey Smith, you know, were they were they inconsistent? Sure, but you know, they had a good a decent culture when he was there. So it's not like Brett Belima was picking up an absolute dumpster fire of a program. Um, just Illinois hasn't been good for 20 years. Um, but neither has Nebraska. And so it's like, whatever we, whatever we figure out here in the future after, after the end of this season with our coaching hire, whoever that may be, whether it's Mickey or somebody else. Um, one thing that's for damn sure. I talked about this last, last episode that I was on was we've just got to focus on the offensive and defensive line focus on the trenches get a good winning culture get guys that are not afraid to lose a game um because or i don't know if that's a good way to put it yeah not afraid to lose a game in the sense that they're willing to go balls out every single game with you know i'm going to say the the thing i'm going to say the thing with no fear of failure you know like a true a true mindset that is not fearing worst case scenario and we we've got a lot of of things going for us we've got talent we've got copious amounts of money we've got good facilities we have a fan base that is die hard yes are we a little bit divided at times can we be a little bit you know like scrutinizing can we be a little bit annoying sure but that's any fan base that is passionate. You watch 
you know, Alabama lose a game against Tennessee and their fan base is just losing their ever loving minds. I think it just comes with the territory of being a blue blood program, except nothing less than greatness. And so we have the potential to do better in the future. But as far as I'm concerned right now, like, I think what I was sitting there thinking during this game, I'm just sitting there and I, I just have this like epiphany. I'm like, I don't know if we're ever going to be great again. Like, do we have the potential to be good? Sure. We have the potential to be good. Are we ever going to be great though? Are we going to be that blue blood program? Um, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Cause we're going to need to have a lot of things go right in the future in order for that to be true. And this game, while it wasn't like, you know, like the world is ending, the sky is falling, everything is awful and terrible, it it really wasn't that game. It was just, we were exposed, Illinois exposed us, that when we don't have a B-rated quarterback running the show, and we don't have any developed talent behind him, we are essentially dead in the water. And... I would have assumed going into this game that Illinois' defense was a little bit overrated just because of the offenses that they've played thus far this year. I think like the best ranked offense that they played was like 70th or 80th or something like that. Otherwise, most of the teams that they've played have been in the 90s or the 100s of offensive productivity. So, you know, maybe their stats were a little bit padded, but one thing that was for damn certain was that we weren't able to do anything with them. Like you said, you were very passionate about this stat line, and I would be passionate about it too. And I am passionate about it. One reception for one yard for Trey Palmer. And is that good defensive scheme? Or is that we didn't have a guy that was getting the ball to him? Because there were multiple times when I was watching on TV, I saw Trey Palmer open, but they had him schemed out to the, the the furthest right part of the field, which is the end of the progression. That's the end of the read. Why do you have him at the final read when you know for damn certain our offensive line is garbage and you know that he's basically going to have to pick one of two choices within a second? Why are you putting him to the far right? And when he did have time, he was all like Casey Thompson or Chubba Purdy were always looking downfield when Trey Palmer was right there or Elante Brown was right there or uh, Marcus Washington was right there. There were so many times on TV. I was banging my head against the couch because I was like, he is standing right there. There isn't a defender within 10 yards of this guy. Why are you not throwing it to him? And so it's, it's, it's just, we, we're just bad right now. And it's unfortunate. Um, and I agree with you. I I will be surprised if we win one more game because Minnesota looked great. Iowa <laughs> seems to be seems sort of like they might have something going for them on offense a little bit, just a teeny tiny itty bitty bit. Sure, you know you've got that. Michigan's looking good, um, and Wisconsin's looking good. You know, like. I don't think we're going to win another game and that's unfortunate. Um, yep. But yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say that that's the end of my monologue. You know what though? If you look at the stats from the game, Nebraska or 
Illinois had been averaging 415.9 yards or basically yards. And uh, whoops. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but there it was. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that, that was. But, that, I did. Uh, I heard it. it was weird. I had the ESPN, ESPN webpage open for stats and it oh. decided to play a video, even though I didn't have the webpage open on my browser. So um, <clears throat> they'd been averaging 416 yards a game. We held them to 367. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the defense showed up other than giving up a hundred and, you know, Chase Brown had damn near half of that by himself on 32 carries for 148 yards. Uh, whereas we were averaging more than they were. We were averaging 429, 424 a game, and they held us to 248. Uh, granted, had Casey not gone down, maybe we increased that by 100 yards, but you don't know, right? So um, 18 first downs for Illinois, nine for Nebraska. Um, they just controlled everything. They absolutely controlled everything. 38 minutes of time of possession to Nebraska's 21 or t- almost 22. Uh, three penalties for 30 yards for Nebraska. Hey, that was one category we beat them in other than total passing yards, which was 188 to 179. Otherwise, Illinois won absolutely every single statistical category that mattered in this game. And there you go. Those those are the game stats. It tells all the story you need to know. Um, 248. How freaking pitiful is 248 yards of total offense um, for Nebraska? Just even we even got more offense out of our game against Oklahoma. I think we are we were what 308, 310 somewhere in there. Granted, we were playing against their second stringers, and I don't think Bielema ever really put his second string defense in. Uh, but holy cow, that's your stats. Um, do you have? Do you even have a game breaker for the week on offense? Was there somebody that grabbed you? For me, it's Anthony Grant, sixty-one yards on the ground with on twelve carries, an average five yards per carry. But other than that, was there anybody else that you can think of? No, and I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna award. I'm not even gonna award one. Yeah, I would say, if I were to, yeah, I mean, let's just, yeah, Anthony Grant, because I think he had, uh, it looks Couple like he had eighty. Too. He had eighty-eight total yards of yeah. offense. Yep. So I mean, that's like one third of our entire offensive production. So yep. I guess I'll go with him. And then game wrecker on defense, Luke Rammer, nine tackles, five solo, a half a tackle for a loss. And but he also had that huge 15-yard penalty against him with the hit crap. I'm sitting there watching, going, Oh God, this dude's like two yards out of bounds and he's gonna hit him. And he did. And I'm like, oh God, that's not how Reimer usually plays, but yeah. he was leading tackler, so that's the only guy I can go with. I I agree with that. I think I think you got to go with the Rhymer. Stupid bonehead mistake, but yep. I give huge props to um, Illinois. The discipline yep. that they showed on that sideline 
was immaculate. Like, yes, were they John? Yeah. Were they were they pissed off? Yeah, they could have easily thrown down mm-hmm. right then and there, but they didn't. They all just stood yeah. there, and you can tell that Brett Belima's got them, got them locked in. So props to Illinois. Sign me up for Brett Belima if that's somebody that's on Trev's list. Sign me up. <laughs> I'd take him heartbeat, and he'd take every freaking little Debbie oatmeal cream pie in the state too. <laughs> or no, that's Nick Saban. That's the guy that loves those. Do you, do you know what I? <laughs> I think do you know so does Brett. You know what I think was pretty funny? Uh, was it was it Q or was it who was it that just jumped onto the ball that Isaiah Williams just dropped? I don't on, know on the deck. I don't. I don't, remember. I don't remember who it was, but I just remember <laughs> my. I forgot about this. My correct judgment, which you know, whatever it means in the universe, was. When that happened to us, I was like, if we don't, if we don't walk away with points here, yeah, I don't think we win this game. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it was it. Play, right? Yeah, I think, I think that was when Casey got hurt. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was when Casey or was it Chuba? I don't remember who that was. Let me see. Let me see. I've got every play pulled up here. Um, Give me a second interception. Yeah, it was the it was it was thrown. Yeah, it was it was Chubba Purdy. That was his only okay, interception. And he threw it and he threw it right to the guy, like yep. just right in his bread basket. But yeah, yep. so that was that was one of those moments where I just was like, really, we are on Illinois' 23 yard line. And we can't do anything. And and the thing that makes me so upset is, yeah, we're, we have it at the 23. And to go with your point, like, what do we do? Incomplete pass to Trey Palmer. Mm-hmm. Chubba Purdy run for no gain. And Chubba Purdy interception to Sidney Brown. It's like, what are we doing? Give Grant mm-hmm. the ball, you freaking mm-hmm. morons. But anyway, but that's the that's the Whipple blueprint. The Whipple blueprint is get a turnover, go for the juggler. Now, okay, you're on the 40. Yeah, maybe you do. Maybe you go deep to Palmer because that's worked before, of course. But on the 23, nah, not with a dude that's averaging five yards a carry. Not with a dude that's averaging five yards. So you give it to Anthony and see what he gets on first. And then maybe you do something play action into the corner of the end zone on a fade or something. But um, but then again, hey, Mark Whipple's forgotten so much more football than you and I will ever know. We just need to trust Whipple Ball. It's going to be okay. Right? Maybe. I don't know. Hey, I agree, Jays fan. I... Absolutely. Logan. Okay, so so this guy on a, our call a game plan with a dude that can run the football with the ball in his hands as a quarterback. This is a this is a comment made by Jay's fan um, on our live stream right now. He says Logan is more reliable at this point. Um, for those yeah. listening to the podcast, um, yeah, I don't I don't get the the whole. Casey Thompson goes down. They put Logan Smothers in for a series, and then it's Chubba. It's the Chubba show for the rest of the game. That I've been trying to stretch my mentals, trying to figure out the logic behind that. 
and it just doesn't nothing makes sense in my mind was was chubba sitting there taking a dump like in the back of memorial stadium like was he taking a shit when they were like oh casey got injured and so they're like well we got to put smothers in chubba's dropping a fat deuce um that's the only thing that makes sense to me um right i don't know i don't know i was sitting there i i agreed with uh crap i want to say it was either one or husker trav don't remember which one it was they were just like i want to see henrik harburg let's let's see what harburg does um because dude's got a cannon of an arm i mean dude was and he can run a little bit but whipple doesn't like them running dudes so that's just uh is what it is um let's just go ahead and rate this because it's not going to be pretty um i'll start I've got the offense rated as a two uh, because four interceptions, uh, 248 total yards. And this is every bit on Whipple more so than it is on the players. Uh, Anytime I'm looking at the game as an overall, uh, yeah, there's execution issues that need to happen and things like that. But um, yeah, I just don't see any way to give this offense more than a two. You go ahead and give your offense and then give your defense. Um, so I got the offense as a two. Um, it was like you said, it was a mixture of bad play calling, um, incompetency from the quarterback room and just an egregious offensive line that couldn't give us even a second to let something manifest itself. Um, that enough said defense, I thought was good. I gave it a seven. Um, because, yes, we held Illinois to less yardage than they are normally used to seeing, so that was good. Of course, the time of possession was extremely lopsided um, with almost 40 minutes going in favor of Illinois. Or was it more than 40 minutes? It was 38. Right 38? at 38, we had okay. 42. Or, uh, shit, 22. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm giving it a 7, like <sighs> – I would say if I were just looking at it at face value, I would say it's more like a six, but I'm giving it a seven, giving it an extra point just because our defense has been so bad for the first half of the year. Um, So I'll give them, I'll give them a a special point for still showing improvement. Um, But yeah, so I've got two on the offense and seven on the defense. What do you got for a defense? I've got a seven on the defense as well. Uh, I thought the defensive line held up quite well. I thought there was uh, just enough pressure when we needed to get it that it made a difference. We did get a turnover, um, <clears throat> even though it was kind of weird. It was still a turnover. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, God, anytime you held, you know, you at least give your offense a chance to make something happen when you give them 21 minutes or 22 minutes of possession. But the bottom line is they still possessed the ball for over a quarter more than we did. So uh, I couldn't go any higher than a seven, and I thought that was fairly generous. Special teams for me is a six um, because I thought Bashini was effective when he needed to be effective. He made some pretty killer punts, um, pinned them back deep enough that in the second half, the defense only gave up six points, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact of field position. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's what I've got for special teams. How about you for uh, special teams in your overall grade? I give them a five, only because I just want to be a dick. Um, <laughs> blocked punt. There, yeah. <laughs> or blocked field goal. Blocked field blocked, goal. Or, there's no, a blocked point. blocked okay. extra point. Um, we took two kicker turns back that made no sense. Um, yep. just you're obviously not doing anything on offense and you think that the move is to take a gamble with taking the ball back from your own end zone. Like that just didn't make sense to me. Yep. And yeah, there were, there were some good punts. There were some good things, but I mean, yeah, I'm just going to go with a five and give it like a baseline average. It was average. So your overall is 4.6, my overall is 5, and I think we're pretty close, pretty copacetic on the, the overall performance of the team. And, you know, when you lose by 17 or whatever it was, it, yeah, you're lucky you're going to get a 5 or a 4.6. So there we go. That's our ratings for the game overall for Illinois. Oh, this was just not a fun – and in most of our podcasts, since the games have started, since we started this thing, haven't been a lot of doggone fun. but um. Who knows? Maybe with Trev uh, manning the AD's office that good times are are on their way because I think somebody who played on the line of scrimmage like Trev Dib and understands the importance of winning at the point of the attack on both the offense and the defense, he's going to find somebody out there that wants to win in that capacity. So um there we go that wraps up our review of illinois why don't we take a look at a couple of fun facts um since i started off the team ratings do you have anything going on with you that's a fun fact that people want to know about you besides um your new camera because <laughs> i probably let that cat out of the bag at the beginning of the show <laughs> oh that wouldn't have been something i picked um so you're good there uh just off the top of my head, fun fact is I watched a really, really good movie last night. It's a two and a half hour movie and it's in German, but it's an amazing movie. It's the it's based on the book, very loosely based on the book, All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, really? Um, I love that very, back in the day. Very, very good movie. Um, <laughs> if you are a tried and true, stay, you know, stay true to the book kind of person, then it's not a movie for you. But if you right. watch it with just in mind that it's a World War One movie from the Germans perspective, um, you will thoroughly enjoy yourself. An incredible cinematic feature that they cool. that they came up with in Germany. Um, the cinematography cinematography is just phenomenal. Um, and the story progression is really good. But like I said, it they missed some uh, some key book moments. No spoilers, but they just missed some really um, really uh, meaningful hmm. moments from the book or the previous movies that they kind of captured a little bit better. But phenomenal movie. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend watching it. Um, it'll have you at the edge of your seat the whole time and. It is bleak and it is uh, not, there's no happy ending. So just trigger warning or fair warning, whatever you want to call it. Um, no happy ending. So, uh, which is, you know, the book. But anyway, that's a fun fact about me. Really enjoyed that movie. And now I'm, now I'm back to watching Better Call Saul. 
I'm halfway through the fourth <laughs> season. Uh, yeah, I've thought I I haven't gotten into I I just haven't gotten into Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul yet. Should I watch Better Call Saul first since technically it's a prequel, or should I go Breaking Bad and then Better Call Saul? What do you think? Well, so far I would say that you could go either way. I think okay. I think if you go you get kind of like a a contrasting experience. If you go better call Saul first, you you are introduced to a bunch of characters that would be in Breaking Bad. Um but you don't they don't necessarily have as much of a memorable role as what okay. you would experience with Breaking Bad. So um like how would I put this? If you watch Breaking Bad, there are going to be tons of characters that are in a lot of episodes in Breaking Bad that show kind of cameo few. appearances okay. um, in Better Call Saul. So if you watch Better Call Saul, first, like, you might not okay. notice them. Okay. Um, but you All can right. honestly go either way. Um, okay. I recommend well, I'll start with Breaking Bad then. Yes. Yes. That's, That's what, what I would recommend. But maybe I'm just biased. But um no, it is so far better. Call Saul is pretty dang good. I heard that season six is just nuts. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll have to probably rent that because Netflix only has the first five seasons. So, but that's what I've heard too. I've heard it's nuts. So, yep. Yep. Uh, fun fact about me. Uh, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I will be moving into a permanent studio. Sometime after the first of the year, I've been slowly buying some stuff for it. Uh, some of the lighting that I'm using tonight and the lighting behind me is going to be used in that studio, along with the new audio equipment that I'm using tonight. So I just bought this microphone a couple, three weeks ago. I absolutely love it. And the uh, audio interface I'm using now is also a mixer. You can record a podcast on it without even using video or anything. I mean, the thing is just amazing what it can do. Um, the studio itself is not only going to be just big enough for Scott and I to do podcasts together in the same room if we want to, but uh, we're also going to make it available for other folks to come in the studio with us. I have a table already bought that's going to sit in the middle of the studio next to my desk kind of so that it's kind of a round table where up to four people can sit around it and just talk Husker football in a very, very relaxed setting. And we already have one uh, fellow Husker podcaster confirmed to be in that very first show that's going to be in that studio. And that's uh, Mr. Honky from the Go Big Redcast is going to be yeah. all in. And he's going to hang out with us. And of course, Scott, you get to be there and we're going to try to come up with one more one more Husker podcaster from a different podcast to hang out with us in the studio that night. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, anything else you want to say before we wrap this thing up? Um, <laughs> yeah, I know you're winging sad. it. So I thought I'd throw it at you. Wing this now. <laughs> no, my um was more like, how do I best word this? I hate everything. <laughs> there is no hope. Or something like that, like oh, John Damn Johnson likes to say. Yep. I hate everything. <laughs> everything there is, no, there is hope. no hope. Go Big Red. 
that's pretty much it. <laughs> to follow us on social media, you can go to genredpod.com, G-E-N-R-E-D-P-O-D, all one word.com, and click on the links at the top of the page. Make sure you subscribe to this channel for all of our past content and ring that bell so that you do not miss any future stuff. Also, make sure to like this video, too. It helps this stream get out to more Husker fans. Uh, the audio version of this show will be available tomorrow morning for download on your favorite podcast app. If you haven't followed us on your favorite app yet, just search for Generation Red, subscribe, and then take just a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a review. It helps other Husker fans find our show as well on a podcast app. We will be recording a show with the Husker Army podcast and other Husker fan podcasts on November 20th at 4.30 in the afternoon, where we will discuss the pros and cons of retaining Mickey Joseph as the permanent head coach. And by November 20th, which is going to be the week before Iowa, we should be a little bit clearer on how good of a shot Mickey has at getting the job. The audio from that show is going to be available early the next week on the Husker Army podcast feed. So make sure you're subscribed to them on your favorite app or on our feed uh, by that Tuesday morning. And then at 6 p.m. that night, we were we are also going to live stream with those same Husker podcasts to discuss our top three outside candidates for head coach. The audio from that 6 p.m. show will hit our feed that Wednesday morning, and uh, you'll be able to download it then. Anyway, right after we get done signing off right now, we are going to pre-record our Minnesota preview for uh, Saturday's tussle with them in Memorial Stadium. So don't forget to subscribe to this channel as well as subscribe to our audio podcast on your favorite podcast app so that you're not going to miss out on any of the fun because that podcast will air Thursday morning right here on our YouTube channel and then also uh, later that afternoon on our podcast app. So thanks a lot for watching or listening. We truly appreciate it. He's Scott, I'm Ken, and together we are Generation Red, here to remind you week after week that there is absolutely no place like Nebraska. Iowa's corn sucks and go big red. That's right. See you next time, folks.